Welcome back to the Total Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. Our incredible guest this week is Melissa Gomez. She holds the title currently with Miss America, Ms. Greater New York 2020, which will now be reflecting for 2021, competing for Miss New York America 2021 because of the pandemic. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear Melissa's interview. Melissa is also a lawyer, um, finishing her last year in law school. And her big thing is voter reform and fighting for equal rights. So I hope you guys really are pumped and excited to learn more about Marissa. And I hope you stay tuned. And welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have uh, a fellow uh, Miss America uh, candidate uh, from New York on the show. So, Marissa, I really appreciate it. And also, I just appreciate someone who's pursuing law uh, in this environment because we need more incredible lawyers. So uh, I really uh. appreciate you fighting for the small person. Oh, not a problem. I mean, it's it's something that I've that I've wanted to do for years and I'm so excited to almost be done. I'm in my last semester at Fordham law and um, I have so many things that I want to do. And I feel like being a lawyer is going to give me the opportunity to do those things. I mean, I think pageantry is a perfect um, avenue for the law industry because there's so many things that you advocate as a pageantry title holder or contestant. And then you go to Congress or you go to your local assembly and that's similar what you do as as a lawyer you 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 lobby for your your client or for um an issue so that's that's really commendative that you've basically commend, committed your entire life to f- to fight some very hard fights so that that that's a commendable thing right off the bat well, thank you. I, I remember saying in my uh, in my local competition, which is, this is the first time I've ever competed in this America. Um, my onstage question was, you know, do you think that being a lawyer is preparing you to be Miss America? And I said, well, absolutely. I mean, Miss America has to be an advocate for people in the entire nation. And as an attorney, I have to be an advocate my client. And I feel like those two things overlap so much in being an advocate for my community, whether it's, you know, a specific group of people or, um, or just the wider community in general, it gives me an opportunity to kind of exercise those muscles and, um, and ground me a little bit in my service before I go off into the legal career. So going back to where did you initially start? Were you in high school or, um, or middle school, is that where you started doing pageantry or were you more an athlete and a scholar? Were you doing debate and those type of things before you got into pageantry? I was doing debate and those types of things. Uh, I should not be allowed to be an athlete. I am just really so clumsy and honestly just have no interest in pursuing any type of sport. My family tried to, tried to push me into that area, but that is not my, uh, my God-given gift. So I uh, was, you know, on speech and debate in high school and somebody on our team had done distinguished young women and, you know, high school pageant for girls. And um, I competed. I won for San Diego, um, ended up uh, competing at the state level and won for California. And it was just the best, most wonderful experience getting to meet so many other ambitious women around me. And, and that I was a teen, that, that was a teen title. 
Yeah, that was a teen title. So, so your first uh, your first title right off the bat, you win a local, and then you win a state a national title, or did you just win a state title? Just a state title, that, but it was it was such a pleasure, Marissa. That's huge. Like, <laughs> like, like that does like congrats. Like, thank so, you. It just shows like um, you have that natural charisma. Did you feel that at that age that you could command a stage? I mean, I'd grown up in musical theater forever. And I think at that point in my life, I think it's something a little bit uncomfortable to say, I can command a stage, I can command a room. It's not something that, you know, I'm comfortable saying is is a gift of mine, but it's something that I've exercised for quite a while and was very, very fortunate to win at the state level. And I mean, I remember calling my dad the second day of state week and saying, I know you're going to come all the way up here to watch, but I just wanted to lower your expectations because I will not be placing. I will, these girls are incredible. And I, I said, just, just come up and enjoy watching me have a good time. And the results were way, better than I ever could have expected. Talk about downplaying it. You're, you're totally meant to be a lawyer. You know, you know, I don't think we're going to win. We're not going to win. Oh, we're going to win. We're going to win. You're totally yeah. meant to be a lawyer. Totally. I, I, you know, these, these, uh, these, uh, this panel of, uh, jurors, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's going to be hard to flip them. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just an interesting experience. And I think it was the first time where I was really like competing against other women like me. And, you know, they're all accomplished. So I think I try to, you know, be honest with myself about where I think I, I rank. And I was like, the, you know, all these girls could be amazing. So I was very surprised when it was me. And, and this is what system is this? Because you glazed over, but I, 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 I didn't catch it. Yeah, it's called Distinguished Young Women, so formerly America's Junior Miss, but it's only for high school juniors and seniors. So you begin in your high school in your high school junior year and then if you make it to the state competition, that's normally the summer between junior and senior year and then nationals is the summer after your senior year. So it's meant as, you know, a high school competition and um, to prepare you for college. So the woman who is the Distinguished Young Woman of America ends up serving during her freshman year of college well that's i mean that's pretty cool right i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. um and before that i mean you you kind of glazed over it so so what type of dance were you in were you in ballet were you just in performance arts what <laughs> I did musical theater. So I did musical theater dance. I did tap dancing. Um, I think I'm going to be tap dancing for my talent for Miss New York. Uh, I am kind of dusting off my tap shoes after quite a while. So I want to make sure I can get it back into the swing of things before I really commit to that being my talent. Um, otherwise, I'll sing. But yeah, I, I grew up in not, musical theater. Is it not like riding a bike? Is it or or is it much more complicated than just going through the motions and then feeling it again. I think the, I think elements of it are like riding a bike, you know, I'll never forget the fundamentals of tap, but I think I want to make it something that's a little bit more complicated. And, um, and, you know, I want to make sure that I'm able to do the moves as fast as I want to and make it really look impressive. And I just, I also don't really choreograph tap. I've choreographed other types of dance before, but tap, I've always had somebody to choreograph for me. And so this is kind of on me with the help of a friend. And so I want to make sure that I can produce a product that I'm really proud of. And I'm quite critical of myself, so I, I'm really trying to make sure that it's something that I that I feel is strong enough for a competition. 
Well, I mean, that's pretty impressive right there that you're able to break down and provide someone with a skit to actually perform. Is that the right word or performance piece? How, what, do you, what do you call that when you're, you're writing out the, the, the uh, steps? Yeah, I think uh, like, like choreography, just a performance oh, just chore. piece. Yeah. So that um, that's a skill there. So that just shows how your brain thinks that you can kind of plot things out. Is that is that how you like when you like sort things? Do you see stuff like that, or do you you don't see things visually? I see things visually, um, but I think it depends on the context. It depends on my comfort level with the context. So because you know I tapped for years, but I never choreographed for myself, I find it hard to make sure that my choreography is impressive enough in tap. But I did choreograph for my uh, college musical theater program. Um, it's just a club for non-theater majors that I loved at Fordham for undergrad. And so I, I choreographed for a musical there um, with the help of one of my best friends. So I, I find movement and um, um, you know, I find it very mentally stimulating. And so I'm really excited to hopefully bring it back for, for the state competition for Miss New York. Marissa, don't downplay that. Everyone's got to, cr- <laughs> everyone's got to crawl before you run. That's true. That's true. I just, I haven't tapped in, in quite a while and I've never choreographed a piece myself and I don't have a studio access right now. You know, I'm in my New York city well, apartment. We're, so. we're, we're, we're still in the pandemic, even though some States think that it's the wild west. So, yes. Some States do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm getting this correlation just how I think your brain works. I mean, if you can perform, that means that you're skilled at it, but also it means that you can communicate the benefits and to go back. So that means you can go both ways, both on instructing as well as that. That's an impressive thing because sometimes the brain, the brain is very either left or right. And it's clearly that you can bounce from both sides and can communicate that. Uh, They say in baseball, the best person to be a coach is the catcher because he's in majority of the plays. He's communicating with both the infield, the outfield, the pitchers. So, so I'm just relating that to you for you to be able to write a performance piece, actually perform it or, or actually help someone that that's definitely letting off that brain back and forth. Do you see that? I I do see that. And, you know, some people think of me as a very artistic person. Some people think of me as a very analytic person. Um, I think I have strong points in each, but I'm not the best at both things all the time. You know, I have horrible handwriting and I can't draw to save my life, but I like to dance and I can give an oral argument and, um, and to write a brief. So it's kind of, yeah, I think I, I love exercising both parts of me. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to compete. This is only my second pageant ever. Um, you know, I did distinguish young women in high school. And then um, after Miss America removed the swimsuit competition, I felt a lot more comfortable, you know, putting back on my dance shoes or singing and, and you know, pursuing something that I really have missed in the past couple of years of being in law school. I haven't really gotten to perform um, artistically. So this current title you have is only technically your third or second competition? Yeah, it's only my second competition. Wow. So like literally the first competition, you won a local and a state title, <laughs> which is really great. And then you took a break because, you know, you're so successful. And now you're going to go to the the other keystone in our state. You ready? You basically, you won California. <laughs> That's awesome. Which is, you know, <laughs> it's one you. of the hardest states in, in the entire country. And then you're going to yes. go to New York. <laughs> Talk about like, hey. It, when you do win New York, please, oh please, my gosh. After your rain, please, after your rain, 
please promise me you'll put it in some kind of frame or something because to have a title in in California and New York that's a huge achievement so like I mean that's the way I would look at it as it would be a dream you know I have as I said I have so much that I want to do not only in my legal career but I really would love the opportunity to be in Miss New York you know voting rights and voter education is so important now more than ever and being in a position to expand my civics education curriculum to the entire state of New York I think could really be a game changer for the for future New Yorkers as they approach their their rights and responsibilities at the polls you know Marissa you don't have to have won a title just to show how impressive you are. I mean, clearly people can look up to you with never winning a title because you can tell how impressive you are. Like, I would not want to be on the other side of the courtroom wanting to debate you. <laughs> I have I have no confidence in the person that you're going to compete against. They're definitely going to be going to get schooled. So especially <laughs> based on the topics that um you're gonna fight on if you're gonna you're gonna fight specifically majority of your career on voter rights which is i think your goal i mean i i don't see why you're gonna lose those arguments and it looks like i was just watching a report last night that there's about 30 states that are trying to roll back mail-in rights and also so I'm sure you read about this or heard about this. So oh, yes. Like, so, like, you're definitely in the right time at the right place to have this argument. Or maybe discussion would probably be the best thing. But everything in the law room is more of an argument. But um, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's, I'm proud it's, to have someone like you on the team because, like, clearly I thank think. Thank you. Like, we definitely need, we need to have someone that is well-spoken. I mean, that's the key thing I think that like people miss miss about JFK as the president. Um, If you are a history buff, John F. Kennedy was such a well speaker and Mm -hmm. just his words and the way he read them and pronunciated them made a huge difference and motivated so many people. So, um, I, I do this show specifically to motivate other people to want to do pageantry or to, to, to be a model. If it, if it, is this a sole reason just to get you out of your comfort zone to be a pageant person? Do you feel, or do you want to other people to look up to you? Is that how, or do you want to make a name for yourself or is it multifaceted? I think it's multifaceted. You know, when I initially told my friends in law school that I had uh, done a pageant before, and this was before I started Miss America, they were like, oh, like, interesting. You know, they didn't really expect that of me. It's not a common thing. Um, and at first they, they didn't know that there was scholarship money on the line. So they said like, oh, we thought you just did it because you thought you'd be good at it. And I think my main my main drive for it has been scholarship money and opportunity to work for other people and to really have a kind of like a motivation to focus on the issues that I want to focus on. You know, I've been doing voter rights work since 2015 or 2016 and, you know, but I haven't done it as much as I have than in this past year since, since competing. So having an opportunity to focus myself, um, has been a really main motivation for me to compete again. I think a little bit, I think everybody kind of wants to make a name for themselves, but I think I've, I've come to realize in the past few years, like, I don't, 
I don't have, have a need for my name to be out there as much as I want the work that I do to be noticed. And if my name is never attached to it, that's okay. Because I just love, you know, I love the right to vote. I love the opportunities that our country gives us, but it's so, it can be so limited and so selective and who really gets to benefit from those rights at the greatest, to the greatest extent. And so the opportunity to focus on that kind of stuff is, is kind of why I entered. And it's an opportunity to do something that honestly, I just find very, very fun at the end of the day. Well, I mean, if this is the topic you want to go after, there's not another topic, in my opinion, that could greatly, traumatically impact every single human on this on in the United States specifically. I mean, if you could flip majority of the state of the of the United States and make a huge difference, you're definitely leaving a legacy, even if you don't want your name to be on that. I mean, there's some key fundamental things that could easily just make a huge difference. And I think it would be beneficial for both parties and not just one. So Yes. And you mentioned all of the bills. I mean, there's over like 160 bills now in state legislatures that are trying to limit the right to vote. And I mean, it just, it kills me every day to read about it. And I think that some people think of voting as a really neutral word. Oh, it's voting. You know, they, they understand that it's powerful, but then, you know, if you ask them if they're going to vote, they say, um, you know, my vote doesn't really matter, which, you know, it kills me inside as well. But we have to look at, you know, all of the issues that do really affect people, the issues that do make people cry, that make people lose loved ones. I mean, we're looking at healthcare, we're looking at immigration issues, environmental issues, all of these things, I feel like people see as more emotionally charged than the issue of voting. But the issue of voting is so directly related to those policies. And so the more that we get people to understand the direct correlation and become emotionally tied to voting as an issue, the more we're going to be able to use it as a tool for change. Where does this like huge amount of empathy and knowledge come from is your is this something that your family has always encouraged you to to seek out truth and to find find this or is this something you just have cultivated yourself I I have to credit my family with so many things. So I I grew up in a bipartisan household. My mom was a Republican and my dad is a Democrat. Um, My mom passed away when I was 13 years old. um, And I used to sit in the, you know, I would climb into her bed in the morning and we would watch the news together. And she taught me so much about, you know, looking to the world around you at, at a young age versus kind of focusing on myself. And that even started with, you know, my mother was an incredible human. And we, you know, we used to visit an orphanage in Mexico every Christmas. Christmas. My dad would dress up as Santa. I was an elf. You know, I, I, she trained in me and my dad trained in me, you know, the importance of, of looking at the issues that really impact people. My family has never really been, you know, voter rights activists or anything, but they've always voted. We've always thought it was an important thing. One of my sisters is less involved in politics, but over the past few years has gotten more so as she's seen things that truly appalled her, um, in politics. And I think I just, became through through my experiences, not only just watching the news, but through losing a mom and wondering, you know, what would have happened if we didn't have good health care and understanding the ways that people discriminate against people like me and my dad in the United States. You know, my dad is the son of immigrants. I'm the grandchild of immigrants from Mexico. And I have been told to go back to Mexico. My dad has been asked if he was the gardener of our house before. You know, my my grandparents on my mother's side actually, you know, really didn't approve of my mom who's who was 
an Irish woman marrying a Mexican man. And I think all of these things made me really kind of on fire for, um, for the things that our government can do to change things and, um, and create a culture that is safer for people. And so it, it kind of was a no brainer. You know, these are things that I care about and learning about voter rights in what was it? 2015, um, through an internship that I was doing made me realize that all of these things are really things that I can change and work on, um, at that level and kind of encapsulate all the things that I'm passionate about, you know, immigration issues, everything that I've listed, I get to work on by trying to get people to the polls and using their right to vote. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on to me, but I want them to use their right to vote and to have access to the ballot. So I guess I'm going to be forward. I assume that your platform or statement is going to be voter um, reform, I guess, is that correct? Is that what you're going to be pushing for? Yeah, um, voter right. My, my platform's name is mobilizing the American electorate. And how do we do that? Right. So I go into classrooms, um, especially in low income communities, because people of color, um, especially in New York City, are often overlooked when it comes to outreach for elections. And so my hope is that, yes, they're not voting today, but they will be voting in the future. But also they'll be bringing that conversation home with them. You know, when their parents ask them the all important question of what did you do at school today? I hope that they say that they learned about voting when I visit them. And then they ask their parents, you know, do you vote? Can I come with you to the polls? And they kind of create this, this more inclusive culture of bringing voting in, into the home as, as a, as a topic and kind of as a pillar of something to pursue and something to, to hold as important. Um, I also think that, yes, we need to be reforming voter rights legislation. In New York, one of my biggest things about New York is we're a closed primary state. Um, closed primaries disenfranchise so many voters just by virtue of them not being associated with the political party. But who pays for elections? Taxpayers. And so taxpayers who are citizens and other otherwise qualified to vote in elections are being disenfranchised because they decided that they didn't want to pick a team. And I think that's really wrong. So yes, this is my platform for the Miss America organization. Um, I didn't really see anything else that I could do. This is something that, as I said, I've worked on for quite a while and it was kind of a no brainer. Well, I mean, I think it ties in great with the long, your long-term strategy on what you want to do the rest of your life. So, I mean, uh, I think that when you win Miss New York, it's going to be a great avenue for you. Well, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's the way I think. So, I mean, cause I appreciate I, it so much. It would be so really nice great. No, no, it, it'd be really great to have someone that is on television pushing for voter reform. Um, because I think you could have, you know, you could have Mr. X or Mr. A talking about, but when you have, a pageant contestant with a crown on and sash it people kind of listen more so yeah. yeah i really hope that you get that opportunity because clearly you're well spoken and you're very passionate about it and you probably could get some things motivated and changed and there's still enough time in this frame even to get it um accomplished for the midterms so i mean i yeah and uh, i mean I know we're talking about the midterms already. This is scary. I know. <laughs> Every there's always an election, you know, and there's one in there June is. in New York City. Um, there's I think there's uh, I, I forget how many cities, but so many cities have mayoral elections coming up. Um, it's it's important to look at these things, especially because you know people sometimes ignore local elections. But who are we teeing up to become a legislator at the state level or national level? It's typically people that we 
elect to local office. We give them that platform and it becomes easier for them to get on the ballot for a higher office. So if we're mad about the candidates that we have at the national level, we got to start paying attention at the local level. Okay, so I've got some voter ideas and quests and let's see if what you think. One, um, okay. do you think that as long as you are a citizen of the United States, when you're born, you should automatically put be put on the voter roll and be eligible think, to vote? Yeah. Do you like that idea? Yeah, I think so. I think registering is, there. there's no reason for it. To me, I <laughs> if think you're, that, If you're eligible. That's what I'm saying. Uh, right, right. That's, so I, I think that's a good idea. Do you like the up vote, meaning you vote for every single person, but it's based on the, like, if there are five candidates, you would list number one and then two, three, four based on, and then if there's not enough people that, depending on the the county or state rules, if there's not enough people voting for the person, but there's enough, you don't have to do a revote because they told you how they think of them. Do you like that idea? Do you think that makes sense to you? Yeah. So I think you're talking about rank choice voting, yes, right? Rank Where you choice rank voting. the candidates. So yeah, yeah. Rank choice voting, I think is a great idea because one, you know, there's a serious possibility that people don't have, you know, one per, one candidate doesn't get over 50% of the vote, but maybe they get, you know, 40% of the vote and then, you know, 60% of people's second choice votes. It creates um, an opportunity for the candidate to be, um, to kind of have more support from the community. And um, I think that it could be a really great way to reform elections and New York City elections, local elections and special elections in New York City, not national ones, um, are now under rigged choice voting in New York City. So I think there's only been... Oh, they are an election that, that, yeah. that's phenomenal i just think it'd yeah. be a great way to save money and resources than having yes. to reballot and re-ask people to come out and pay someone to 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 be a, an official and actually you know you know i i think it's just a more efficient way i mean other countries do it and they seem to have a very you know safe election season so yeah, so I, I totally agree with that. And I think it's great that New York City is moving toward that. Uh, and I'm just really looking forward to how it expands that um, across the state. All right. So those are my like two wish list items. And that's, that's great that New York's doing it. Um, is, do you have a couple other things that are on your wish list? I mean, the other ones are can be more controversial or more. And, uh, and we don't have to get in a long debate, but I... Um, do you have anything else that would be on that wish list of items? Oh, yes. I think that, and, and yeah, some of these are controversial, but I can't think I can kind of explain my my perspective on them. Um, one, I think that we should not have voter ID laws. And if we do have voter ID laws, which a lot of states do, um, we need to make IDs more accessible to people if we're going to have that be a thing. Um, you know, some states are proposing harsher voter ID laws, and at the same time, they're raising the costs of what it cost to get an ID. You know, there are millions and millions of Americans that actually don't have a government-issued ID. And I think if you're a citizen of the United States and you can prove that, you don't need a government-issued ID. If you sign up to vote with your social security number and you're able to prove that you're a citizen, I think that you should be able to vote. And it, it just disenfranchises people who are from rural communities who honestly just haven't really had a need for a government-issued ID or, or poor people who can't afford it. It also really disenfranchises people of color and only and like doesn't really make elections any safer. I think I was reading a study last week where, you know, out of 
you know, I think there were only like a handful of cases. I mean, there are only a handful of voter fraud cases anyway, but only like a dozen of those cases could have been and solved if by voter ID laws, but it would have disenfranchised millions to have voter ID laws or thousands or you know hundreds of thousands because people feel discouraged from voting if they if they don't have their ID on them. They'll worry about, you know, oh, okay, well now I don't have time to go back home and grab it. People work. Um, it's just I think voter ID laws need to be either way more voter friendly or not exist at all. Um, but I understand that there is an an interest in keeping elections safe. I, I want elections safe. I want, you know, people voting when they're supposed to. Um, my other thing is that Can I, I think that before you go yeah, on, please. I, I yeah. just have a, I have a, an idea and I just would love to see if you think it's a good idea. Um, why don't we, we already fingerprint every child and we put it on their birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just implement a law that when you're a child and because I'm, encouraging you to have register every child that's born in the United States, we take their fingerprint and in the next 30 years, there should be enough technology where you would just place your fingerprint to verify. And that would be your verification. It would be pre-registered. Does that make sense to you? Does that scare you? Does that make sense to you? I, I think I, think- I would be comfortable with that because the government, if people don't understand this, they already have it. They already have all this stuff. So, like, I mean, does that make sense to you? Because I think that would really negate all of that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting idea. I've never heard of this idea before. And I do think there is a difference. Like, I know that if you have, like, I've never been fingerprinted and put into, like, the police system. Like, I've never done a job where I needed to be live scanned or anything. So I don't know how, like, if, they, I know they take your fingerprints, you know, for your birth certificate right. and everything. I don't I don't know if it gets entered into, you know, the, the right systems, though, in order to be for voting. So it would, My, it would need to be I'm, something. I'm, I guess I'm saying I'm pie in the sky. Let's say, let's say the government issues a, a company to, to approve a scan and it would put be put in a private database and you would the child would scan their thumb and then everyone else would be asked to do it as well and that thumbprint because the thumbprint is supposed to be 100 percent unique even twins don't have the same thumbprint that yeah you know i just think that would be a really great way to um, prove, you know, you are who you are. And, um, and because I think what you're saying when it comes to the, a, a, a card seems so yeah. outdated because I can't expect every person to have a, a cell phone. Okay. And I can't expect everyone to have a card because I think that people that don't have empathy and they don't understand that there are people that are poor and there are people who are super rich and people who are super poor don't have anything. Mm-hmm. So, but everyone has a fingerprint. That's so, true. So I, I'm just trying to think of a way that, you know, but I guess my argument, I, I know what's going to happen and, and I, I'd love to see how you would, do you think that the, the states that want to have an idea that they would argue to say that that would be an infringement on your rights and they would try to twist it, even though all you're doing is verifying that Paul is Paul and everything. So could you see an argument just to prove that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think there's a lot of arguments in the voting rights sphere that uh, that I think are a little bit outlandish. And so I do think that there, I mean, there probably are people that say, you know, I don't want the government having my fingerprint. I mean, realistically, right. though, the government already knows everything about you. I guess I, I'm one of those people that I mean, like, yeah, they know everything about me. If so, you go like, to Disney you know, World now, they make you use your fingerprint to go into Disney World. You you cannot. Oh, do they? Yes. Now, because of the, I've never been to Disney World, just Disneyland, because I'm a California girl. Um, You've never never been to Disney World. World? No, I only went to Disneyland. Okay, you know, it was like a few hours away from me. Yeah, uh, no, totally, no, no, totally legit. But now, you know, when you come to Miss New York, you have to ask them that you have to have. We need to do a PR thing, and for some reason, you have to go to Florida and go to Disney (laughs) World. I'd be happy to be your personal photographer that day if you. Oh my goodness, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry. I, I totally got you off on a tangent. I just thought I'm very try to be creative and no, I love the idea. I think it's really interesting. I obviously would want to, you know, make sure that, that there's not some like insane reason that we can't have it. That, that would be, you know, something that I'm not thinking about, but I think that's a good idea. I think if there's something that's identifiable to you that costs you no money and is a part of you, like then we can have it. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I truly, I've got this feeling that you're going to be very impactful. So if that, if you ever get the opportunity to have a voice and it sticks in your head, I think that could be a a nice way of giving everyone an equal opportunity, which I think, in my opinion, they don't want to do. They want to disenfranchise people. I don't want to get political here, but like, I do think that the reason why we have voter rights cards is because they want to de de-enfranchise people. And, and I'm on the side that we just let everyone vote. You know, if, I if they too. vote, if they vote for the wrong person, that's because they voted for that person. That's, that's just what it is. I mean, you know, there, I, I'm definitely in the that wrong generation that was given a trophy to everyone. I was born in 82, <laughs> I'm 38 now, and we've got to get back to a society where there is a first place and there's a second place, and there's nothing wrong with being second. That means you yeah. worked really hard, but you can't get a trophy to 17th place, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can't give up, you know, that's where you get a pat on the back, you know? But you don't get a trophy for that. So... Yeah. I'm sorry for going off on a tangent. This is like, I'm totally stealing your, your, your moment in the, the no, spot. this is, I'm, I'm on your show. So <laughs> I am excited. And I love this idea. I think it's something so interesting. Um, and so what know, was the so, second or you were, cause you had one big other oh, idea. Yeah. yeah. I'd love My to hear other, my other one is very controversial, but I think I, I think I convert people the more that I talk to them about it is, um, I mean, there are a lot of felon disenfranchisement laws, um, in the country. And I think that if you have served your time, you should be allowed to become a voter again. Um, some States have laws where if you were incarcerated, you can never vote again. Some have them where you can vote as soon as you're out of, uh, out of prison or after you've, you know, finished parole. Some of them even have, okay, well, you can vote after all of those things, but also after you've paid off any fines that you have. And I kind of see that as like a poll tax, you know, requiring it's exactly people to have, a poll test. Yeah. 100%. To, to pay all of these things. <laughs> and, um, and I think that we've never, you know, the requirements of voting are the requirements of voting as set out in the constitution. And if we ever want to reform 
criminal justice, uh, you know, uh, systems, we're going to need the opinions of people who are in prison. And I guess my main question when people say, oh, well, I don't want, you know, criminals voting. I say, what are you, what are you afraid of? It's not like they're going to put murder on the ballot. You know, what are they going to be voting for? Who's going to, who's going to, you know, be on the board for their, for their kid's school. That's something that they deserve to vote for. Even if they're in prison, they could still have kids outside of, um, you know, that that aren't incarcerated and that they want to be in their lives and they want to be able to affect change where their kid is. And so they should be able to vote for school board and vote for the community things in their community that are going to change it. I think that that's something that we forget that these people have interests as well. And there's no way that they're going to legalize, you know, some, some crimes, but instead they're going to vote for their communities and they have just as much of an interest in that as anybody. Well, you know, the other thing is that a lot of people don't know how many people are incarcerated. I mean, the amount of people that are incarcerated is what is like, what? 5% 5% of the population, so that's not enough to sway a, dirt, a certain way in any certain election. So 5% shouldn't be enough to sway an entire election. So, I mean, that's, that, I mean, I, um, I guess my only comeback is I think there should be a level or maybe you, or maybe you can't do that because, like, I, I rape is a huge thing and I think you should lose yeah. all of your rights for that. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a woman and, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm very, very like, concerned about right. that, those types of people. Um, and, but there's always a certain type of murder and that's horrible to say, but there might be a cop that was being attacked and he had to shoot and he killed them. And then he was put in jail because they, they found him guilty, you know, and he's, you know, he's committed, you know. So, um, I, I one hundred percent, I agree with you on drug offenses. Like mm-hmm. that is one hundred percent. Like I think that they should get, but I, I, I don't know. I have hard time giving rights to people that did something really horrible to someone's, but the yeah. specifically rape. Um, I can, I I can almost give, I can almost give everything else the jump, the benefit of the, of the, the the doubt, uh, the benefit of the doubt, but to take that away, I just watched the Woody, the Woody Allen, Allen, um, Pharaoh documentary. And, and it just, if I ever have a daughter, like, like I definitely want to protect her but i also want to make sure to to have her be strong i guess is the best yeah you know and not be scared not be scared of the world and i feel i feel like it's just a it's a bad thing it's not a topic i know anyone wants to talk about but no i mean i'm glad you brought it up because this issue is very multifaceted and i guess i you know i and i i I understand That's why fully where you're coming from. And a lot of, a lot of people feel that way. I guess my, I guess here's, here's where I come from with like, with another, you know, issue with this is if we want people to be rehabilitated, people who are, you know, able to come out of prison, um, keeping them involved in their community is really important. And the other thing is that there are a lot of people, unfortunately, that are innocent, but are wrongfully convicted. And I guess like, you know, the slight chance that we could be taking away voting rights from people that are innocent and wrongfully convicted and you know they've already lost so much i guess 
I guess I want to, I guess I want voting to be a fundamental right in this country. And, you know, I've never seen a, a, a situation in history where it's been really great to decide, you know, who gets rights and who doesn't. But that being said, like, that has never had to do with criminals in the past. You know, people have arbitrarily decided who has value based on race and sex and, you know, but, but based off of what you've done and what you've done in the past is, I mean, it's not an unfair thing to do. Um, and so I don't know, I kind of, I struggle with it. But Marissa, I'm 100% on your, on your side when it comes to this BS stuff about, um, this, this voter, uh, tax stuff where they try to, especially in Florida, where if you didn't pay back your debt to society by monetarily, that that automatically disqualifies you. That, in my opinion, is a is an argument between both the government and the individual that should not be something like we don't take away your right to drive if you don't pay yeah. off your bills. I mean, there are countries in the world that if you don't pay your bills, that they put you in jail. I mean, we, I don't know if you know this, but like places like, um, uh, um, I can't think of the, the, uh, it's the middle East country that, that built everything up in the last 30 years. Um, um, it's not Saudi Arabia. It's, um, uh, it's not Kuwait. It's not Kuwait. Um, uh, I know as soon as I look it up, it's going to pop in <laughs> head. Um, you, uh, United Air of Emirates. They, uh, oh, yeah, they yeah. have, they have some really, really strict rules. Like if you bounce a check and you don't pay, they put you in jail. So I was watching this whole documentary about, people buying luxury sports cars like 350,000, 500,000, a million dollar car and then they just abandon them in the middle of the desert because they're escaping from the country because they can't pay the bills. So like oh wow. You, yeah, yeah. So like yeah. we don't do that in this country at all. Um I just wanted to take one second from this great interview and talk about our sponsor of the week, Mid-Atlantic Video and Photography Productions. No matter if you're planning a wedding, a special event, or you just need an amazing headshot, they are the team to get the job done. You can reach out to them at 443-422-3830. Again, that's 443-422-3830. Or you can go just go right to their website at mavpp.com. Now let's get right back to the show and listen to this great interview. So, I mean, we, we, we've totally gone deep on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this is always good because I, I, I always love bringing up a guest that hasn't won a title because I love to hear the reason why in doing a pageant and clearly you can see how passionate in the reason why doing a pageant because i i have lots of listeners that don't understand why to do a pageant um Mm -hmm. do you want to just summarize that like why do a pageant you know you you have won uh a, a state title in the past but 
you know, you basically moved on your professional career and now you're jumping back in this arena. You know, if someone's listening and they just are on the fence on you, if they should spend money to do this and, and take the time out of their day to do this, what's your thought on that? I mean, I think there's so many reasons too. if this is your thing. I mean, some people just like have no interest in doing this and that's okay. But for the people that are wondering whether or not it has value, you know, I'd love to speak to them about one, the scholarship money two, the incredible network of women that you are going to have for the rest of your life that boosts you up in your professional career forever. But also this is, you know, a an incredible opportunity for you to fight for something that will shape you as a person. And I have done, you know, dozens and dozens of civics lessons to children around the city of New York. I have, you know, spoken with legislators about reforming voter rights. Like these things are relevant. Even if people don't know if pageants are relevant, like look at the work that these women do. And that is relevant. That's important. And yeah, you know, I can do this work without walking across the stage and getting a crown, but it's important for me to have the platform of it, to have the accessibility that it gives me, and also to show people that women are multifaceted and to reward women for their accomplishments. And as the Miss America organization has changed, and as there has been, you know, the removal of any judging criteria based off of physical appearance, we're in a better place to show, to reward women for what they do. And I think it will never be, you know, outdated to reward women for their accomplishments and to prop up women that are meant to be leaders. And I think that's just something that I've always attached to. I've always loved watching, you know, Miss America women and the work that they do. And I cannot wait to hopefully continue to be one of them and continue my work, whether it's on or off stage. When you win Miss New York, do you, uh, do you feel like, uh, like this is going to be the best opportunity because basically it's a whole new start over for this specific pageant. There's been a 18 month gap between title holders. And even though there's still a reigning person, um, playing in that role, but you know, officially no one was crowned last. I mean, I don't know. And you're, I don't know if your state, my state did have someone, um, or, um, uh, honorary be named, but there was no pageant to be, to be crowned. Um, do you think this is just like an incredible opportunity to be like, basically this is the year everything kind of starts over? Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. And actually in New York, our Miss New York 2019 stepped down and we just haven't had anybody in the position for the past year. Um, she went off to go get her PhD and they thought, you know, we're not going to promote the first runner up. You know, we, you know, we don't have the scholarship money this year. We want to save up the scholarship money for next year. You know, we want to make sure that we're able to give the next woman that wears the crown all the benefits of having it. And they so there really like they has been a gap. There so, really has been a gap for us. So that, do you... Do you, so are you feeling that that's not a, the organization is totally starting over then? Like from the opportunity from like a PR thing and like there's a huge, such a huge gap because sometimes, you know, from marketing perspective, like there's a light, I mean, there's no, like literally it's vacant. So, I mean, yeah. it's not vacant just because the organization went through something. It's because the entire country shut down. So like. I mean, I don't ever see this happening in our lifetimes again, so... I know. I, I hope it never does happen again, but I think our organization has been really strong throughout this whole thing. And they've really encouraged all of the local title holders to continue to build friendships with businesses, to continue to be relevant 
have done a lot more work on our on this, you know, Miss New York Instagram to promote this local title holders instead and still give people um, women to look up to. And so I think it's going to be even more amazing for whoever steps up into that position, uh, you know, at the end of May, and whoever's given that opportunity to reignite the fire under under the Miss New York organization again, to give it a platform. Once again, you know, our previous Miss New York um, worked for veterans, and she just had an incredible platform. She formed her own organization. She is just the best. And I think it's exciting, again, to have, you know, a person with, with a mission at the helm of the Miss New York organization. Because while, you know, we've had this gap, we haven't had, you know, a specific woman with a platform. We've been promoting all of the women in the Miss New York organization, which has been really incredible. But I think once we have a mission again, I think it's going to be even even more incredible to have um, nonprofits to partner with and to continue to build this brand. See, that's why you're that's why you're the one that's going to win or you're the you're the reason this is the reason why you are competing in pageant because you took my really horrible synopsis and you made it into an elegant uh uh poem so like I appreciate it was not a horrible synopsis you need to give yourself more credit too or this goes both ways in this conversation I know um I I really hope and I, I hope you're ready on the board. You're ready. Like they've already done. I hope they bring back 19 to crown the girl because it would be such a they shame. Are. Oh, good. Because yes, they are. She, she should totally be a part of that because she never got the opportunity to pass. I mean, technically, I mean, I don't, I don't know how people think about this, but you know, unless they take it from her, it's still her title. You yeah. know, <laughs> I know, I know it's about, you know, tight about, contracts and like all that but like you know she kind of still miss new york you know yeah she is <laughs> you know she's she's our last one she she's still you know if, if anybody's like who's miss new york i say lauren Malella. yeah you um, have no i mean that's how i would look at it you know right yeah but so I'm really excited to have her back at the state program. She has been an incredible mentor to all of us in the organization. She, you know, answers my texts whenever I have random questions right. and things. Um, you and know, you said incredible. she went. You said she went off to to get a job, or is she going to school? She's going to school. She's getting school. her PhD in psychology. So you can't um, you can't hate her for that. Like you know, oh my god, that's I, a whole I would never year. hate her for anything. Yeah, no, no, but, yeah. but I mean, like you, I mean, like sometimes people like. You know, you can't give up a year, especially when everyone yeah. else was on pause, you know, that, you know, if, if there's an opportunity for you to do that, she can always come back and participate, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, it's like a best of both worlds kind of a thing. Definitely. You know, and she had anticipated giving up her title last night and then going to grad school. So, you know, she continued on those plans and I'm really proud of her for doing so. You know, the most important thing is trying to live out your dreams and, and, taking full advantage of it. So it's great that she's being able to do that in such a, um, dumb, 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 hard times. Um, so what are you, what are you seeing as the biggest challenge, um, for New York right now? I know you're very passionate about voter act laws and, and re, um, do you, is there anything else that you're really, excited to be representing the whole state of New York, which is very diverse. I mean, there's people that live in Buffalo don't consider them anywhere remotely connected to people in Manhattan and people in Manhattan. Yeah. So like, it's a very interesting state. It's, it's very similar to how California is. We have that kind of dynamic um, in Maryland where 
We have people that are farmers um, in the east, in the on the Ocean City side, and then we have a little bit of a little little city, not not nothing like in New York. But then we have <laughs> mountain mountains and and um, people that are very remote in the west. So we have that kind of dynamic. So um, does that intrigue you, or do you feel confident that you already? held a title in, in a state that has that diversity and you're ready to, to, to try to meet those needs? I'm ready to try to meet those needs. You know, the state of New York is so diverse, as you said, and I could be the first, um, you know, Latin American Miss New York that they've ever had. And it would be such a pleasure. Wait, and I wait, think, wait, 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 are you dead serious? Like all I, I, of the I, Puerto I, Ricans I, I, and all of the yeah, I I really because I, I could... asked somebody recently and and they were like, no, it would she would be the first. Yeah, I would be the first, which that, would be crazy. That doesn't make any sense at all because New York is the definition of what they call a melting pot. I mean, like I yeah, you you go to New York to get to learn the idea of culture and diversity and understanding that you have to be on an elevator with five different cultures and you know someone's talking spanish and someone's talking english and someone's dutch i mean it's it, wow i I mean, okay. we have had incredible milestones. You know, Nina Davalori, you know, Miss America a few years back was the first Indian American, I think, in, in maybe in New York, but definitely for Miss America. Um, so we've had wonderful, incredible women. You know, Nia was an incredible Black Miss America, Black Miss New York, just an incredible mm -hmm. woman to hold those titles. Um, but yeah, it really hasn't uh, hasn't reached the Latin American community. And I think that it's such a missed opportunity. We have so many people of so many different Latin American cultures. And, you know, I think that it would be really important for those people to not only see an opportunity to get involved with the organization, see themselves in it, but for kids in schools, for people in the community to see, you know, the last name Gomez has never, you know, held, held a, you know, the Miss New York title. You know, they've never seen something like that. And so I think it would be an incredible opportunity to open doors with, you know, all these amazing diverse businesses, all of these amazing diverse students and, and to continue to celebrate what New York really is. And so I'm hoping that, um, that, that I could be the first. Well, I, I truly feel that you're on the right path. I mean, I don't know what the field looks like. I 100% will be admit that I haven't looked at the field, but I think the field should be scared. So, uh, <laughs> I well, mean, they're like, amazing. yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure they are because if you think about it, the field also has been practicing for 16 months. So they're probably yeah. like rapid tigers that are ready to to attack so like <laughs> i mean that's the other thing that's the catch 22 is that you have two years of people ready like you know they were ready 12 months ago and they had yeah. more time you know in any time about a uh a a, uh, a lion if you get a lion more time to to uh, strike he only gets better he doesn't get worse yeah. so definitely you know it's uh it's very interesting when you're when you're at the top you know that sword only gets sh more sharper and more um defined i mean that's what i'm saying is that you have a clear cut understanding of what your objective is and what your goal is do you think that you have that because you knew it or do you think you you have it because you've had this time to have this perspective and really define it. 
I think I, I mean, I knew going in like my, my really clear goals. I think that they've become, as, as you've said, even sharper. I, I have, you know, even more experience to prove also to prove that I, that I not only had these objectives, but that I've just as Miss Greater New York been meeting them. You know, I've been in New York City public schools. I just uh, began a partnership with New York City Department of Education to bring, uh, to bring civics to other schools across the city. So I just did my first guest speakership with them last week. And, you know, I, I've had the time to demonstrate straight that not only these are my goals, but the, this is my reality and I can't wait to expand it to the state. Well, that's a really great opportunity. What's the situation in New York? Are they doing AB days? Or are they doing half classes? Because if, if you're having an opportunity to actually speak in the class, they must be back in some form. Well, so I'm doing, I, I've done all of them virtually. So before wow, the pandemic, that's I really had- cool. Yeah. So before the pandemic, I was in classrooms and, um, I, you know, I miss that. I love the photos of it. It gives me, you know, a lot of moments to smile, but, um, good for PR, good for Instagram, but you know, yeah, but it's, but it's been, it's been all virtual. And so I've given, I'm a, I helped pilot a program with Fordham law school that we partner with an eighth grade class. And we go in, um, almost every Friday to talk, talk about a different topic. You know, last week was workers rights. We went on, you know, voter rights, gerrymandering, all those things first semester, now we're expanding those into more, um, more uh, comprehensive issues, um, more issues that they'll see in their lives and all these kids have incredible, opportun- uh, incredible opinions on all of these issues. So it's a few eighth grade classrooms that I visit most Fridays, um, but I just visited a high school in Staten Island virtually. Um, I do it for you know, after school programs with younger students. Um, I do career days, which end up turning into mini civics lessons as we talk about you know, my, my goals of being an attorney. And it's been a wonderful opportunity to get in into more schools and I can do, you know, different schools back to back. I can do three schools in a day from my living room. And you could, which have, has never, been and you could have never made that impact if you were no. physically going there. So this yeah. is a huge gold mine and an opportunity. That's incredible. Like, yeah. do you feel that way? Cause like, I, it definitely sounds like we need to have more people like you having the opportunity to talk to more young people and more young girls. I mean, how do you how do you feel that you're are you speaking to women? Are you trying to speak to both? Like or or you just want to get the you get the, the word out? I think that every single person, especially every single student, needs civics education to some degree. You know, certain schools yes. are better at teaching it, certain schools are are not as great at teaching it. I try to the organizations that I partner with for the most part typically serve students in low income communities, students in schools that are majority minority students, um, and I love that. That is, I mean, because you know that goes to my culture and my background and trying to lift up minority populations as you know a Latin American Miss New York potentially. Um, so I have done that, but I have gone to schools, you know, the, the school in Staten Island was, uh, you know, is a majority white school. Um, but I think I really like to focus my efforts in communities where I can relate to the students, they can relate to me and, and, you know, I can relate to lots of different students, you know, through just our shared human experience. But, um, it, it's an opportunity to really lift up those communities more than they have been in the past. And that's what I like to focus on the most, but I will never say no to any classroom, uh, that wants me. And I've, I've tried to go to all different types. I mean, Marissa, just think about this because you're literally being able to make a 10 times more impact there is a greater chance that there is someone you're talking to that is going to either be a governor, a president, or some kind of major influencer or a major person. And you're 
potentially influencing them in the right positive way isn't that incredible to know that you're i mean isn't that awesome because there's there's a great (laughs) because if you go to one school you know you're only speaking to x amount but because you're having this opportunity to go and you're going to several different communities you're going to upper middle class lower middle class low income you're gonna make a huge impact and that's you know 100 percent because we have this kind of virtual like that's what i'm i'm sad that like we're gonna go back to this in class but like this is so great that you're gonna be able to make an impact because you're gonna be able to talk you're able to talk to so many people so that's so great like i i'm so happy for you to do that because i really hope you you speak i really hope you get the opportunity to get in front of someone that makes a huge change in the world you know if not you i mean like because lincoln lincoln had great people that made him into a great person lincoln just didn't wake up and become the lincoln the president i mean he had to he had to be led that way so it's by hook or crook, you know, <laughs> you know, and I don't know how you feel. You said you don't care if your name is on the, the bill. You just want to make sure that you get passed. And that's very, that's just so, so honorable and shows how selfless you are that you just want change to happen in a positive way. I think it's just because it's, it's bigger than, than all of us. And, um, it's something that I've just worked for, for such a long time. And, you know, you're right. I I could be speaking to incredible students that are going to really make an impact in the world one day. And I, I love that opportunity. I mean, I see, there are so many just really bright ones that are, you know, asking me really complex questions and, um, and wondering about their futures. And, you know, one of my favorite days before the pandemic was I went into a school, um, Grant Avenue elementary school, and, um, it was, a great visit and I did four classrooms in a row. So I was just, I, it was a marathon day and, you know, we, we had a big long civics lesson and then we went through kind of like what it would be like to run for president. So we had students come up and talk to me about like, what would you want to do as president? And I'm hoping that these, um, these visual representations and, and this thought is putting a seat into their heads to know that they can achieve all of these things. I, I commend you for giving people an idea of that being the president is 100% in your uh, possibility if you are open to believing in that opportunity. It takes 100% more than just believing, but you definitely yeah. have to understand that it is possible. So I commend you for doing that. Um, I guess the, the before we, um, um, we round out our interview today, What's the the current um, issue when it comes to civics in the state of New York? Is it 100% a class that everyone has to take or is it an elective or is it how is civics being taught right now? Yeah, so I had a great conversation with the woman from the Department of Education of New York City. So I know more about New York City than I do about New York State. Um, It is required by the state to be a part of the curriculum, but it's not required to be a specific class. And it can be tucked into the uh, social studies uh, classes. And, you know, we have to understand, you know, there's a limited amount of time every day and there's a limited amount of resources. Um, But the city of New York has a civics for all program. And so they have partner schools. Not every single school has partner 
partnered into this program, but it was a part of the mayor's initiative a few years ago. And so got a lot of funding and a lot of opportunity then. But since it actually has been removed from the mayor's initiative and brought back into the Department of Education. And so the program actually has a lot less money today. Um, You know, there's it's a smaller team. And so I think that we need to be getting it into more schools. I think that it's it's understandable that at certain grade levels, we can only tuck it into social studies. But I think we need to start making it, you know, at least a week, you know, we just had civics week in the city of New York. It just ended last last Friday, but um, only so many schools were a part of it. And I think that, you know, we can have these discussions and we need to have them every year. And every year we need to build off of the year prior. So I'm really proud of the people in the Department of Education for making such a comprehensive curriculum, but it is hard to get the schools to have the time um, to put it in and to prioritize it as much as they should. And so I want it to be, you know, at least a required unit um, in every single year. That way they understand, you know, at the, you know, when, even when they're, you know, in kindergarten, you can still understand how your voice makes a difference. And we can build on that every year. And then, you know, they need to know that when they're 16 in the state of New York, you can actually pre-register now to vote. So that way, when you're 18 and you're worried about going off to college and you're busy, you don't have to worry about registering before the deadline. You're just registered and you can vote. Marlissa, I, I just so, so much commend you in so many ways. Thank you. Like, you are so I, kind. I, um... <laughs> Civics is so important. Um, I don't even know if most people today even know what civics means, but like just learning about the federal government and the three branches is so, so important just from a fundamental understanding of how your teachers get paid to how the fireman comes to your door mm-hmm. and how to, it's so important. And I, you know, I 100% hope you win because we definitely need someone there talking about civics. And I, I, in my 38 years, I haven't heard anyone really touting that we need to have civics. And I, rem- I civics class, even though it was part of my social, sociological class um, in 10th grade, made such an impact that I remember that class. Yeah. Uh, and we we did we spent a whole quarter so we spent six weeks talking about civics so um it definitely made a huge impact uh to me and my understanding of how things actually work so um I, please i do do what you can even you know thank you you know even if you don't win the title which is not the goal here the goal is that everyone we talk about is to reach their goals and you want to win your title so that we're going to be positive about it you know i really hope that someone hears your hears your voice and 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 puts some emphasis about that because i know that there's these ridiculous standard test that they have to do for each certain uh, criteria but civics is such an important thing is it's as, as important as learning how to spell uh, read english and spell um so uh especially when you live in the united states and i i commend we we have people that that fight for cancer and breast cancer and and all and and for and we, we don't have that many people fighting about voter rights and we i really appreciate that so Thank you. And, you know, I see it even, you know, 
even more fundamental nowadays, but especially in the wake of what happened in January with the U.S. Capitol. You know, disinformation and misinformation and, you know, not understanding how elections work and not understanding how your government works can actually be really detrimental to the way that our society thinks. And so one of the ways to make sure that we, you know, try to lessen the partisan divide, that way we understand and have faith in our elections is understanding how they work. And so that's a lot of what I tried to do during the 2020 election. You know, a lot of, I was a poll worker and a lot of people asked me, you know, why is it taking so long? What's going on? You know, what are the odds of fraud? You know, a lot of people don't know a lot of really fundamental, you know, checks that there are in the election system, nor should they, you know, always concern themselves with it. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's important for them to know that, you know, there's a Democrat and a Republican at every table um, counting ballots. So it's really hard for people to, uh, to hijack elections because there's somebody from each party. It's bipartisan at, at every table that's counting ballots. There's all these, you know, important checks in there. And I think if people understood a little bit more of that, and if we help people understand that at a young age, then they would have more trust in their government. And we maybe would have had a different, a different day on January 6th this year. I think there's just so much despair right now. And when people feel that they're being depressed and I, totally understand if someone feels like they're being held down in any way. And that could yeah. be told that they always think that the world's coming to an end. I always feel like I'm the nail and I'm always being hit by a hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always feel like I, I personally feel like I'm always um, trying to go up river. So I definitely understand that feeling and I, I understand where people can get very upset. So absolutely. And that, and to feel like that your vote never counted is a horrible and so it's a very touchy subject and like for us to go into that discussion uh, about all that stuff would also have way more time that you have available i would love to have a long debate about that um but um i really appreciate your time i i only asked you for an hour of your time and i marissa i I'm so impressed by you and I wish you only the best and I look forward to, to hearing from you and I hope you'll be on my show after you win your title. And I would love to work with you. You know, New York is not that far away, so we should definitely uh, work together if you're interested. So, yeah, I would love, love, love to meet in person. And thank you for this opportunity. Um, just so much. This has been such a great discussion and I really appreciate you hearing me out on some of my ideas and issues and for us having a really respectful debate on some places where, you know, I I understand that there's different opinions on them. Um, so I really appreciate it. And thank you for all of your encouragement and for giving women the opportunity and people the opportunity to come on your show and, um, and talk about the things that are really important to them. Well, you know, it's important to give people that aren't heard a voice so that we all have an opportunity at the table. And I hope that I can just do my small part in doing that. So, Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Marissa, uh, I've interviewed a lot of people. I get always excited to interview people, and you always hear great people, but it's always really excited to hear someone who's on the preface of being so influential and going to be such a star um so proud of you i know that you're going to make such a difference even if you don't win a title which i don't think is even remotely in the cards i think you're definitely going to be very successful in the courtroom and it's also in the pageant world even if it's not this year it'll be a next year 
um, possibility or thing that all of the things that you're doing with motivating people to learn about civics and and giving all these speeches to young kids now are 100% making such a huge difference. And I just really appreciate you going out there and giving your time to do that. And it will make such a huge difference. The benefits that you're putting in now are going to pay off so much in the future. And I really appreciate you putting that time in. As always, I want to thank all of my listeners for subscribing to this channel. As of now, I'm so, so excited that we are now at 50 plus subscribers. You guys 100% honor me to be at that level. I only thank and wish us up to more and more great success. And thank you so much for the comments and the likes and of course the subscribes. Don't forget this is also on iTunes. So if you want to just listen to it as a podcast, you can. But as always, we appreciate your subscribing here on YouTube. And for our listeners that love us talking about movies, my incredible now official signed actor friend, Ivan Carlos, is my co-host for my movie breakout show called The Movie Breakdown, where we talk about movies and just have a great time. I'm so excited that my friend Ivan Carlos my co-host for my show called The Movie Breakdown is now a signed actor. I'm so proud of you, ma'am. Congratulations. I know you're going to do incredible things, and I'm so proud of you. As always, please stay tuned and please subscribe.